Hi, this is Carson with Troy. I have with me authors Beauregard and Paul Neville. Um, they are the authors of Black Winter, um, which is a, a single book right now. Are you guys working on uh, the next installment, or is it just a, a standalone right now and you're working on something else? Working on the next three installments. Oh, nice. Yes. Perfect. That's exciting. Um, go ahead and uh, Beauregard, go ahead and introduce yourself. And then Cole, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah. Well, I'm Beauregard or Bo. I'm the oldest of the two brothers here. And I, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of writing and reading something I think my whole family shares. I've been writing since I was a young kid. And, uh, you know, just excited to be able to have opportunities like this to come on and 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 discuss you know our story perfect thank you Cole. all right well i'm cole i'm obviously the youngest um out of there's four of us boys i'm the youngest out of all of us Bo's the oldest out of all of us and similar to Bo, I, I love reading love writing and so um it just kind of came pretty natural when Bo asked me to help hop on and start writing and reviewing the book perfect so Black Winter came out. Um, what was kind of the genesis for that? Where did you come up with that? Oh man, kind of, kind of all over the place, really. When uh, when I first started writing this story, it was back right when I, about a few months after I got married, and back in two thousand eight, I think I might have started writing in January of two thousand nine. I can't remember the exact time frame, but basically, um, I had some free time. I told my wife, Hey, I'm going to start working on another book. One that I kind of want to get through here. And, and she was like, okay, she was kind of new to the, the writing thing. And, and she hadn't really seen me do it. And I went with a basic idea, a soldier and his dog. That was kind of all I had. And I, you know, the, the scene, or I guess the landscape, which, you know, frozen world. I kind of got that from a, a video game that I played called lost planet. I never even got through the game, but it was a frozen planet uh, out in space. And the main character had to traverse this and fight aliens. And and I liked that frozen landscape idea kind of. And, and I took that into, you know, a dystopian future where, you know, nobody knew why. And and, you know, I've seen lots of movies, read stories of of other ideas to incorporate kind of different little things that, that I like and we'll expand more on that later in the series, but this first book is very much, uh, it's, it's smaller and because they don't really know what's going on. They don't have the ability to really explore much. And so really you just kind of have that. It's, it's a dark, desolate world and they don't know why. And that was really all I had at first. And when Cole started coming on and, and reading it, when I was like, Hey, I'm working on this book. Tell me what you think. And he'd read through it and he'd, you know, share his ideas. And, and then eventually, you know, we came up with a, a four book arc and, and, and way, way more that we can expand on than just, you know, this small, you know, area that they cover in the first book. That's fantastic. So how far along were you um, before you cold jumped on to, to work on it with you? Oh man, I'm not sure. Um, I think maybe halfway through kind of the idea, but I didn't really know how I was going to end it when he came on and started reading it. And, and I certainly didn't have sequel ideas really in mind either. And, and we, neither one of us really knew where we were going to go with this, 
story until really we finished the story for book one and we were like oh hey we could go here now and and we quickly had an idea for the whole you know four book series after we completed book one or at least writing it this is mm -hmm. long before we got it published i mean i think it's been 10 years since we finished the story itself for book one and so yeah that was kind of the time frame for cole was somewhere around midway and and then he's been with me ever since so, well, what's kind of the dynamic now that you're helping him? Like, what what do you work on? What does Beauregard work on? So, a lot of it is Bo. So, Bo is, like, the main writer. He does basically all the writing. Um, I help with a lot of kind of ideas. And so, I'll read through what he's written and then um kind of expand on that or we'll continue to discuss of like oh well what if we go this route or if either of us comes up kind of with an idea and so with those we kind of bounce back and forth and then i go through and do the initial edits on it and then that's kind of where i'll expand as well on something that maybe this needs to be expanded more or you know simple things of hey this word's misspelled or oh this is a character that is no longer named this character that we ran into when we changed the dog's name in the first book. And so things like that. Okay. That's, that's awesome. It's kind of similar to, I mean, we were talking before um, we, we hit record about Robert and Dan Zangari and, you know, uh, one of them writes and one of them has ideas and, and they kind of bounce back and forth. Um, and I'm not going to say who is who, uh, hopefully somebody, you guys go back and, and listen to the episode. Cause it's very interesting. The dynamic that they, that they work on. It's, it's, it's fun. But, um, but what are some of your writing habits? Uh, for me, uh, one thing that I have to do is I need it to be quiet. At least I did initially. I, I struggled to have any kind of background noise going and like with, and I'm, and I'm talking like distracting background noise where it's just kind of chaotic. And, and now I have four kids. <laughs> and so that can make things a little bit more difficult. Um, I, I would always play like an instrumental type music in the background, something calm. And, and I would sometimes pick a song based off kind of like the way I felt the mood of a scene should be too. That was more of an, a more upbeat scene, something a little more fast paced. And, and it would just kind of help me feel kind of what I was trying to, I guess, convey. Um, and, you know, I, I've, sure you've heard the term writer's block and i've gone through that a lot and and even with us knowing where all four books are going and we have the beginning and the endings written for the sequels there's moments where i get to a point where i'm just like man i do not know where i want to go right here i don't know how this conversation should go and and so i'll i'll talk to myself when i'm driving to and from work kind of ideas that i need to go with and um, but most importantly, I think the thing that for me works is just actively sitting down and writing. And sometimes it may take me days to get through a conversation. And then and then there might be a day where I can get through 50 pages of writing. It just kind of depends. So, but most importantly, just actually doing it is the most effective thing that I've found. So how do you guys like stay balanced? Like, how do you guys like manage your time to where you're able to work together because i'm sure you're both busy um how are you guys <laughs> able to do that well um it's easier now because bo and i actually work together we That's have good. the same position at the same company and so work-wise it's pretty easy now and then it's just kind of figuring out the day-to-day -day life um 
before it was a lot harder because we lived in different states. And so we would actually have to, you know, one of us would call up the other one like, Hey, I thought of this. And then just kind of try to figure it out. And then he'd let me know that he had done some writing and so I could pull it up and go through it. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, that's a key tip too, to like, um, to be able to, to communicate with each other. Um, so, you know, if somebody wants to go through this process of writing with somebody, um, what, uh, are some tips or tricks or advice that you could give? I think one, you have to be able to work together. Um, I, I think if you, if you can't work together and, and, and have similar ideas, especially on a book, I think you're going to really struggle. I've never run a business with anybody, but I've, I've worked with family. I've worked with friends and, and there's going to be times where you just don't agree on things. And it's a little easier to get through those things, I think, with a job, because with a job, there's a lot of times there's just one way to do it, you know, whereas with the story, it's like, well, I want my idea in there or he wants his idea in there. And I think we've been lucky to, you know, one of, when one of us brings an idea to the table, we're like, you know what, you're right. That That's kind of the path that we've gone. And so far, we've been lucky. We really haven't had. I don't think we've had any moment where we one of us has strongly disagreed with the other and said, no, we're not doing that. I think for the most part, when one of us has had an idea, it's, it's worked. Um, and then just being able to, I guess, kind of like what you, you know, here there's a question, figure out a way to plan it. Uh, Cole and I will try to get together on a regular basis. And when, when we're to a point where we need to kind of come up with a game plan for like the next book or what's whatnot, We've done that a couple of times with book two so far. And, and those are, I think just little things that you need to be able to do to kind of make them, you know, the bus roll. All right. With two of you, um, I'm assuming you have like a general outline of, of everything. Do you like have a specific um, outline that you use and outline technique that you use, or uh, have you just kind of created your own and, and it's kind of worked? For the most part, we've just kind of created our own. Yeah, the, uh, kind of just kind of going with what works for us at the time. That's awesome. Um, and that's, there are so many um, different things that you can research and, and, and learn uh, different outlining techniques. And, and that's really what you have to do anyway is like, okay, this doesn't really mesh with me and this does, but like this other one I really like. So you kind of have to come up with your own anyway. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, you said you, you finished the book how long ago? How long did it take you before you finished the book and, and got it published? And what kind of steps did you take um, to get it in publishing condition? Let's see. So we, I think we finished, I don't know if it was quite 10 years ago. My oldest was a baby. And I, I think my second oldest, we finished the story right before he was born. And he's nine now. And so, I mean, yeah, it's somewhere between nine and 10 years from, from when we finished writing the story where we're like, okay, like this is how book one ends, but we've gone through and made some changes, some rewrites. And I was fortunate at one point when, um, about seven years ago, I was living in Vegas and I'd moved back down there for, for work, I ended up working around a lot of celebrities and a friend of mine was good friends with one of them. And he gave me a connection to turn over a copy of the manuscript for book one. It was not a very well-prepared manuscript, but I was like, you know, I have this opportunity and nothing ever came of it, you know, and uh, we've gone through and had a professional editor take a look at it since then and 
just more editing and, and slight adjustments to some areas of, of the story as well. Not to where it changed the story, but just to where it flowed better. And and that all came about um, during COVID, when COVID first happened. Oh, really? My, yeah. So my work at the time, I was working in Park City at a, a ski resort. I ran their safety program up there. And when we shut down for six months, I was the only one there for for a good while. And I just had to basically keep an eye on cameras to watch your properties, occasionally go walk around. So I, I spent a lot of time in my office just finishing the book. I was like, you know what? Let's get the book done. Cole and I both agreed, like, this is perfect time. Let's get through it. Let's get the little things that we need fixed done. And then let's get through the publishing process and get it all taken care of. And we ended up uh, releasing the book um, two years ago. It was October of 2020, right, Cole? Um, I think it was. Sounds right. Like October thirteenth, something like that. So yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you said you you hired a professional editor. How'd you go about finding them, and how did you know they would be a good fit? Well, so it, a lot of it came down to what we could afford, and you know, we couldn't afford much at the time, and so I I put a little filler out on Facebook with people I was friends with. Cole did the same, and. It just so happened I knew a professional editor and she used to live across the street from me, her and her husband. And we became good friends with him when we lived in Bountiful for a few years. And actually at the time we were finishing Black Winter and uh, we went and had a meeting with her and found out kind of what type of editing she was familiar with. And, and then she asked us what we were looking for. And, and we just kind of struck a bargain and it was somebody that, you know, was going to be a good fit for us at that time. And, you know, she did a pretty good job. She did what we asked her to and, and what we kind of agreed on. And I think going forward, we're going to probably look for a different type of editing, um, more line editing rather than what she did. She was more of kind of helping us with world building and helping us just make the book read better. And and she did a great job with that. And I think going forward, you know, we want somebody that's just going to go through and catch all the errors that are in writing. So. And that's something that the first time around, you know, we were kind of just figuring it out. Right. And now, um, especially with the help of, you know, you mentioned Robert and Dan, um, they've, you know, we started working with, like I said, I had mentioned before we started recording that they, they've helped us out a lot and they've continued to help us and finding, you know, the route we should go on what we're looking for, for editing and for, cover art and all those kind of different things having somebody to kind of lean on that has that experience as i would definitely say helped us slowed us down a little bit on getting the next few books out for sure because you know it's almost like we had to reset and like rethink everything but in the long run it'll be light years you know more beneficial for us that's fantastic it's kind of like you know going into surgery like i can walk now but i have a little twinge um this isn't for real, but like an example, like you know, I have a little twin, so that you go into surgery and get a, you know, a knee repair done or something, and all of a sudden you can't walk in it. You know, it takes a little while to to walk, but like sometimes, a lot of times you you end up better than you were. So that's kind right. of how how it sounds. No, that's that's amazing, and you know, and it, it sounds like you guys have had um really good contacts, uh, really good people have stepped into your life at the the right time. Um, and even now, how how important is um, networking and stuff in your 
in your in your line of um writing and, and authoring i mean it's i would say especially for independent authors it's everything right if you if you don't know the right people or the you know the right people that can help you go the right direction on how to handle you know simple things like mailing lists or anything like that that you just don't know about you're you're never gonna get your feet off the ground no exactly that's that's kind of hard for lots of people um whether i mean both introverts and extroverts is just finding the right type of people and to you know being able to reach out and lean on people um to, to help you um and you you know you mentioned mailing lists and marketing is a big part of your um, profession as an author like you want to be able to sell your book um right what, what sort of things have you guys done um that if you, you found successful and what are some things that you found that weren't quite success, successful so far i don't know that we've found anything that we found you know really crazy successful something we both agreed on when we were at fanex a little before that and was you know we needed more like visuals to show people kind of what to capture like an eye more, you know, like people like our cover, but it doesn't really give them like, Oh, that has that in that book. Let's pick it up and see what's actually in it, you know? And, and so yeah. we've recently, you know, hired a really, really talented professional artist to, to draw a couple characters for us. And we're going to, we're going to do a complete redesign of the cover for book one and re-release it. Um, you know, something, you know, Cole's mentioned Robert and Dan, you've mentioned them a, a good tip that they brought up for us um not too long ago was you know science fiction and fantasy the top selling books in that genre have basically pictures on their covers and we don't you know and and that was something that we kind of decided in that moment we needed to fix and yeah you know and it's going to cost us money but we know that in the long run that will be ultimately what helps at least draw eyes when people see it that was definitely the biggest like both mentioned Fanix, the biggest learning like lesson for us, we were there with several independent authors and, you know, a lot of them had been doing this, you know, longer and had bookmarks and drawings and all these different things. Whereas our book is just kind of have, has the two eyes on it right now. And so all of the selling of our books, we had to do ourselves, right? We had to talk to the people and explain the book and everything like that a lot of the other authors were able to people saw the cover, saw the bookmarks and that sold itself, you know, and then it's just, you just give a little ex explanation of, Oh, well it is this right. Instead of having to full on, you know, be a salesman and <laughs> sell from nothing essentially. Right. No. And that is for anybody starting out, that's a, a big key and a big tip that they just shared is um, there's the old adage of don't, judge a book by cover but that is not true because especially when you are at a convention like these guys were at fan x there are so many people out there that you have to stand out in some way and not only that like i like a certain type of books i'm sure you guys like a certain type of books and you know what the cover is supposed to portray in those books and so that's kind of what you're looking for yeah it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what it is we're all attracted to visuals whether it's a person a car a house, a book, if it doesn't look like something that we're going to be interested in, we're not even going to bother finding out if it actually is, you know? And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's what we needed. You know, 
we we have a dog in our book people love dogs you know and that was something simple like well hey let's show people that there's this thing in the story you know something as simple as that that'll draw people just in that area to at least look into what the story is more about whereas right now no one's really interested you know there are very few people that look at a set of eyes and be like oh okay that's catchy you know and well, we need more than that and we had a huge like a huge example of that at fanix was someone walking by who was just kind of glancing down and i ended up chatting with him a little bit and he looked down the book and i was like you know are you interested and he's like ah. and I started explaining it to him because I, I I believe he had some military, you know, um, something, something that kind of said military on him and, you know, their soldiers and stuff like that in our books. And I started explaining to him and he was like, holy crap. Yeah, I would, this is actually right up my alley. And, but looking down at the book, he was like, no. Right. No, it, it is important. And not only that, like having the right cover portraying what your book is about is important. Um, I interviewed an author. I don't know if you know Frank Morin or not, but mm. he he had a, a a beautiful cover on his first book of his his main series, and people got the wrong idea of it because it had a statue of a, a male kind of like chipping his way out of it, and people thought it was a romance when it was a fantasy book, and mm -hmm. so he he totally did a redesign, even though his first cover was fantastic because the the title's um, set in stone, I believe. Um, and you know it was about and it was this this marble statue in stone so like it fit the title and everything but people just kind of got the wrong impression and so it's important not only to have a visual that people like but to also have the the right visual to portray what you have no for yeah. sure so um how was that experience with fan x fun and eye-opening at the same time <laughs> yeah because you guys were in a booth with a whole bunch of independent authors. Um, yep. What kind of things did you learn from them? Did you bounce ideas off? Um, what kind of things helped you out? Funny enough, we've actually, um, two of the authors that were in that big booth with us, we've started doing a bunch of different events with them. And so that networking that you mentioned, I mean, it's found people that we've talked with these two and been like, you know what, we need to, we do events as long as we all can we should all be there together and yep. and it worked out that way and it has made it a lot more enjoyable for us at those events instead of just kind of just being us two you know sitting there and we have other people and our books a big thing that we learn is our series all three you know book series that are being sold by us are very different genres none of us really step into each other's genres a whole lot of what the stories are being told so we're not competing with each other we're just bringing more people to us because of that and we're able to you know there's someone is talking to us about you know they like romance or whatever and it's like oh you know go over to joanna kind of thing you know just, just being able to bounce those things with each other has been awesome all right and you know if i come up to, to your booth and I see your book and I'm like, you know, and you have these other authors, you could be like, Hey, go look at them. But not only that, like, you'd be like, Oh, this, I like, I like your book and this person has romance that my wife might like. And, you know, you, that you can kind of build yeah. off each other. Yep. That for sure has happened several times. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you both said you're readers. Um, what were kind of some of your influences growing up? My favorite book series. I've read it 
so many times is the Aragon book series by Christopher Paolini. And I won't say what it is from that story that um, I kind of took inspiration for a relationship in the Black Winter series. But I, I directly took, you know, kind of an idea from there. It's 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 it happens in a much different way. But, um, you know, there's a bond between two characters in Aragon, just like there is in Black Winter. And and it's the focal point of the series. And that was kind of my biggest inspiration as, as far as reading goes. Um, most of my inspirations for my stories, though, have come from, you know, either a, a movie or a video game or, or something like that. Cool. Um, funny enough, one of the main series that got me into reading, Bo got me to read the Aragon series, the Inheritance Cycle. And so, um, that's one of my favorite series as well. I actually have the entire series signed by Christopher Paolini. And, um, the biggest for me though, growing up was Harry Potter. Uh, I, when I needed to escape reality, when I needed to escape everything going on in the world, you know that was where I went. I, I read Harry Potter. I went somewhere by myself and just read through the series over and over and over again. And then when the movies came out, watching those, and that's the biggest thing for me is if, you know, we can create something that somebody can use as an escape, that would be, you know, the biggest accomplishment for me. Those are both wonderful series. I, I love both of them. Um, and, and I like what you said, um, Bo, about, you know, taking inspiration from them and not doing exactly the same, but like having it inspire you and, and redoing something. It's kind of like when, you know, you still uh, mama's hometown recipe and you like add it mm -hmm. up, you know, and, and do it and make it your own. Right. Yep, exactly. Um, one other person I'd like, I would like to mention, you know, is our dad, you know, I, I dedicated black winter to my dad and he's, he's a writer. He's a, he was at fan X with us with our other brother. They finally published their book as well. And, and my dad was writing all the time when I was a kid. And and he was the one that kind of made me want to be a writer because I saw him doing it. I already liked stories. And I was like, you know, like, you know, Cole mentioned an escape for other readers. That was my escape when I was a kid. I would just doodle in my notebook the most random stories. And, and you know, that's kind of, you know, what continued me to help me continue to, to keep writing. I took a writing class in my senior in high school and, and, you know, had fun with doing that. And I just kept going with it. Never stopped. So what else has kind of helped your, your writing skills improve as, as the time has gone by? Reading. I think reading is the best because, you know, like it's funny when I hear people say, like, I could never write a book. And I'm like, well, do you like to read? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, do you know how to write? Like, like can you spell and stuff? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, then you could totally write a book. You know, you just you have to do it. And, and if you don't know how to structure this book, you know, there's books out there that you can buy. And, you know, my fiction writing classes in college and my, my minor in college was English. And I took, I had an emphasis on creative writing because that was my hobby. My major was criminal justice because I was going into the law enforcement background. And but I was like, you know what, I, I need a minor that's going to be fun and enjoyable. And that was what I picked. And those classes and all the book material I got helped. But at the end of the day, like, when I'm writing a, a section of Black Winter or the, now the sequels, like when I'm like, I'm like, how should I write this? I'll pick up a book and look at kind of the way they structure things to be like, oh, okay, that's that makes more sense. And, you know, for me, that's just kind of the way I've gone about it. 
I'd also say the more you write, the better you're going to get at it. Right. It's just like anything you do, but that for me, I would, it would be the most enjoyable part of this whole experience is from what I read when I was 14 from when Bo had originally started this to reading. Now, I remember there was a moment like a year ago or two years ago where I even told Bo, I was like, dude, like you have gotten so much better as a writer that it's, you know, that's been really cool for me to firsthand witness. Uh, and that that's actually great advice. Um, being consistent and then staying the course is, is key to any success, but not only like having success in, you know, selling your book and whatnot, but just the fact that you grow and how much you grow is, is amazing in, in the process as well. So and that's, that's kind of fun uh, that I've seen with doing podcasts and stuff like just seeing these, these growth and, and seeing people who, who have started out and, you know, have one book or independent authors and, and meeting him at Fan X or Fan Fusion or Denver Comic Con or, or wherever. I mean, like, you know, I, I remember seeing you and you had one person all day and now you have like a group of people around you. So it's just amazing um, the growth that can happen and in, in sort of amount of time people stay consistent. Well, and I'm sure, you know, even for your podcast, right? The first time you did one, if you go back and watch that video compared to right now, you'd probably look back and be like, man, I was so, you know, uncomfortable or awkward, right? You know, and the more you do it, the more you're going to just get even more and more comfortable with the that conversation and that steady flow. Right. No, it's, it's true. Um, you definitely improve. And yeah, I don't know if I'd go back and watch my first interview. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things, my kids are huge Dude Perfect fans. I think they've watched every video they have on YouTube 10 million times. <laughs> Took them to their tour uh, last year. And anyway, well, they have videos out there that show what it was like when they first got onto YouTube. And when you watch these videos, you're like, there's no shot. These guys are one of the most successful YouTubers in the world now because, like, they were so bad, you know? And, like, and it just shows that these untrained kids that were just having fun their experience turned them into these people that are clearly professionals. Now they're comfortable doing it. And, and now they're crazy successful because they just stuck with it and got better. Right. Yeah, they're, 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 they're stars now, right there. Those guys are rock stars now. Yeah. And it's just like anything. They started out with no fans and nobody knew who they are. And it's that consistency and persistence that uh, generates fans and, and that reliability that, People know like, okay, they're going to do this every week or, or every, you know, two weeks or whatever. And, you know, and things just kind of snowball. So um, for anybody that's watching that, you know, great tip or trick that they shared was, you know, stay consistent and be able to um, stay the course. I mean, you guys stayed the course. You finished the book 10 years ago. Like, how did you stay motivated after that to, to stay that course? Uh, I think for me, it was just the passion of always wanting to say I was a published author, you know, I mean, there's more higher goals than that. You know, I'd love to say I'm a bestseller at some point, um, which I found out not too long ago that if yourself, if you're an indie author, isn't possible, at least not like a New York Times bestseller anyway. And because they only apparently give that award to people who are published traditionally. But for me, like, if I can say, hey, look at all these people that are showing up here specifically to get my signatures or say, Hey, how much they love my book for me. That will be the reward itself because that's what I've always wanted to be able to do is have people tell me that they're reading something I created 
And, you know, that was the motivation for me. And, you know, life got busy. You know, I got married, I had kids and another kid and, and, you know, with different jobs back and forth. And so it didn't make it difficult to try to, you know, find that balance that we mentioned earlier with finding a way to get it done. And then, you know, the world decided to, for me, kind of give me a, a lucky break with COVID, you know, for so that was a benefit for me because if it hadn't been for COVID, I don't know if I would have been able to take the time I needed to get the book ready when I did. We might be getting it out now. Mm. So, you know, that benefited me that way. I would say being able to, and this is where, you know, having being co-authors and stuff helps the most is when one of us is just like, uh, the other one can kind of pick up that slack and like, yo, we need to get this done. So, I mean, the first book came out uh, a couple of years ago, but it took you a long time uh, to get it done, to get it polished and, and get it out, um, which is a lot of people's um, journey, right? Like lots of people don't start a book and, and finish it in six months, to get it out. Like I've talked to a lot of people and um, a lot of them have, you know, written a book and they've had to like cut 60 to 80% of it or like had to do 12 revisions. Like it's, it's a process, right? For your first book. It's not always that simple of just getting it out. Um, what, what are some things that have changed for the second book? Um, some of your, uh, well, I mean, we talked about kind of habits before, but like um, now you have something out there that people have read and, and want and what kind of motivations um, and what kind of changes to get that out sooner have you done? Well, funny enough, you know, our, our goal, and, it, and it's a big goal, is to get all three sequels done by the end of this year. Um, you know, we'd like to have the next two ready when we go to FanX and possibly even be making our announcement for book four. And I think for us, one, we've experienced it before. We've experienced finishing a book. We also already, we, you know, we, we took a completely different approach to the three books because we already knew where we were going. Book one, it was kind of more of an adventure, finding out what the story was going to be. And that's also a big part of why that one took so long. And, and so, you know, having a more, an outline done on where the book was going to go. And, you know, all three sequels are already partially written. Um, and so it's just more getting the middle done. And then, you know, our experiences at some of these events with people asking about our book, like, hey, you know, is there another book? And they're telling us, well, you know, Netflix kind of ruined the world. People want everything in, you know, bulk. And, and we've culture. had people, yeah. And they've they told us that and they told us like, hey, you know, I'll buy your book when we're all out there because they don't want to start a story and then have it not get completed, you know. You know, like you get TV shows that start off and then they cancel off for the first season. You're like, oh. That was a great story. Too bad I'll yeah. never get the rest of it, you know? And then, so I, I understand that too. And I had a friend tell me 10 years ago, like, hey, you should try to get them all done because you'll probably sell more when they're all ready because people want every, even, and people are already getting to that point with books at that time. And so that's our goal. We want to try to get them all out there so that, you know, we can sell them in a bundle too. You know, we have a friend that was, well, she was selling more bundles, we felt like, than she was solo books. And, and that's something that we want to be able to do. Have some cool special, maybe a special wrap form with, you know, art from the story. And, and you know, that that's kind of the motivation for us. You know, we know people want more. And, mm -hmm. you know, right now we don't have more to give. So. That's amazing. And, you know, and I, I've heard that a lot from, from people too, is um, they'll, they'll be at an event, you know, and people come up and 
they literally say like, I'll wait till it's done until I, I buy them. And, you know, we've, we've been kind of burned by authors too, that still waiting on books and it's been mm. a long time before they finish. And I'm not going to name names, but one of them got made into a very popular series. And, uh, <laughs> but that, that's a very strong motivation. And that's something that when people um, begin this journey, they kind of have to realize that, you know, I talked about like, you know, it takes a long time to get your first book out, some, you know, for a lot of people. And the that learning curve is pretty high. But once you learn that, the the next book will sell your, your first book even greater. And the book after that will help out the first two. So it's yeah. being consistent and being able to, to draw books on a regular basis for an indie publisher, I think is very, very key. Um, have you guys found something similar to that? I mean, definitely. I think just from the people who've stopped and looked at our book, I think most of them have not bought it either a, because there just wasn't enough on the cover to tell them what it was about or B because they, they would flat out tell us we're just not ready. We want more. We'll, we'll, we'll buy it when there's more. And for, for me, I think that's been key because you know, with everyone that we were at Fanix with, they all had multiple books to sell. We didn't. And, and they also all had way more art on their books. And those are the two things that we were lacking. Same with our dad and our other brother. And granted, they're just as new as we are, but we both had the same thing in common. No art and only one book. And so we sold the least amount of books out of everybody there. But I mean, I'm sure the experience was wonderful and you guys got to learn a lot. So I mean, it's not a total waste for those people who are debating on whether to go to a convention or not. Like, um, look for other people in your area and see if you can partner with them. And then not only does it split the cost of the booth, but um, you can help glean wisdom from, I think. And your booth was awesome because you had, I don't know, eight or nine people there that were all selling together. You're right. I mean, it's, it's expensive, especially for Fanex. You know, that's, that's an expensive event to go to alone if you're not already doing very well financially. And that's the only reason why we were able to go. You know, we got invited by Robert and Dan. Cole was fortunate to meet them at, you know, when they were doing their own, you know, personal event. And and now, you know, we're part of this big group where we're already planning the next one. And and yeah, and so, you know, for anyone that is listening, definitely find a way to do something like that if that's something you're trying to do. Fantastic. Well, do you have any uh, last minute tips or tricks before we uh, depart? I think for me, if you're if you're yeah. wanting to write a book or you are writing a book, just just stay positive. Find a way to be positive. Find the right people to have around you to keep you positive, and and then just keep moving forward. Well, and I would say the biggest thing when you do like if you get an idea, like oh that'd be a cool book or that'd be cool in this book I want to write, write it down. Put it in your phone in notes. Put it in a notepad. Write it down because you're gonna forget. Especially for me. I have ADHD. I forget everything. <laughs> That's great advice. Go ahead and tell everybody um, how they can get a hold of you and uh, get a hold of your book. Well, right now, you can go onto Facebook. You can search up uh, Beauregard and Colneville or, or Black Winter. We have our own Facebook page for the book. And right now, it can be purchased on Amazon in paperback or audio format, as well as the audio book that you can get through Amazon as well. And then we are, we have, like he mentioned, Facebook. We also have an Instagram. Um, that's the same. It's Black Winter Book. And then I have a TikTok. 
that it's just my name, Cole Neville, and then 1588. And most of a lot of my content revolves around our book series. Perfect. And are you planning on doing any events this year? And if so, which ones so that people can come meet you and meet your book? We are for sure going to be doing Comic-Con. Um, that's the big one that we're planning this year. And so uh, I guess not, com I guess Fanex. So if you're going to be, you know, be in Salt Lake for Fanex, make sure to come find us. We'll be um, probably right, right in the middle of all the vendors. That's where we're planning on getting our booth this year. Perfect. Fantastic. Um, Cole Borgard, I, I learned a lot from you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for getting on with me today. Thank you, Carson. We're, we're glad we met you at FanX and that you were, you know, kind enough to let us come on here and chat with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.